the Click owns this business. Coming down the aisle, Bimbo, Jimbo, baby, who is? You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Give me a hell yeah. Today, woo, I've got the stop and profile like never before. From our 1077 The Bone Studios in downtown San Francisco, this is In The Click, Bimbo Jimbo, alongside my tag team partner, Baby Huey. Hello and welcome again, everybody. We're live, pal. Hey, buddy. Good to see you again so soon. <laughs> I know. I know. On the on the heels of getting you ready for Double or Nothing, we are, of course, we are doubling down on getting another episode out to you very quickly to react to Double or Nothing a real just I mean what a happening it was and we had to get this out to you quickly because uh you know behind the scenes uh, I am headed to the great white north uh this week with the Golden State Warriors as we go on to kick Drake's ass and the Toronto Raptors <laughs> in the NBA finals but uh yeah so I'm heading to Toronto Canada uh this week so it's why we needed to uh get this out to you as quickly as possible are you gonna take a photo of yourself tapping out in canada uh well you know it's not montreal so i, I don't feel that would be appropriate however i will i will say this baby who i was i was thinking about it as i'm getting ready to pack and everything <laughs> like that i will be taking one of my bret hart shirts just to fit in with the locals you know just to <laughs> sort of try and blend in and i got to thinking about it i was like yeah, but maybe I'll take a Shawn Michaels one too, just because you know I want to go up there and win, and I want to, you know, I want to stick it to him. So, but I hope, I hope uh, the Great White North, Toronto, Canada, is as full of beautiful women as I've been led to believe. I'm looking for my very own Trish Stratus, so I'm looking for some Stratus faction ladies up in Toronto. If you want, you know, I'll get you, you know, ninety Swipe day, right. you want ninety day fiance it and get your papers to come live in the United States of America. Holla, if you hear me. You're going to swipe right on all of them. Oh, God, I didn't even think about the apps up there. Yeah, That's going to be man. very interesting. Yeah. Check it out. That's going to be hilarious. Yeah, good well, deal. All well, right. Be, because I've heard, yeah, women up there are gorgeous, but also isn't like like uh, you can go in a bar at 18 now. Like, I mean, there's just drinking restrictions are different up there. Um, but also I was wondering, what's you got to have like a, a Canada playlist. Going up there, you gotta get some Rush, some Triumph, maybe some Nickelback, some Sum Forty One. Nickelback for AJ Kirsch. Yes, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of all the great Canadian bands. Brian can- Adams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm trying to think of uh, other good Canadian bands. Um, that's about it. <laughs> I think. Uh, I mean, well, Drake. Nah, not Drake. Not Drake. Well, but. God, Dr- Toronto Raptors super bandwagoner Drake. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good time. Uh, up in Toronto, but we had to, you know, make sure that we got an episode out to you this week. It's not a regularly, you know, scheduled interval here, but we're we're getting the double or nothing react to you, which is the biggest thing that has happened in wrestling quite some time. Yeah, and everyone's talking about it for the last couple of days now. So for our purpose, it only makes sense to get it out ASAP while the the fire's hot and everyone's it's on a. Uh, the front of everyone's mind, but uh, so much to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as let's let's jump right into it. Overall thoughts on how it came across. I mean, I, I thought of you 
uh, when I started watching it because I know you had mentioned you wanted to see the staging set up mm-hmm. and everything like that. And immediately to me, I thought they they hit a home run with that. I thought I thought the stage setup was great. I love the poker chips. I love the the sort of like tubed entryways where you had wrestlers coming out of you know depending on which side of like the sort of like the the cylinder they would come out of. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. It was it was an awesome look and feel. Just even like the the ring itself and maybe the camera work. I don't know why. Maybe just because that's what a lot of people make the comparison. It felt like an old school WCW show as well. Well, because you had the logo in the ring and stuff, which was kind of like a WCW staple. Yeah, but just even like just kind of like the gray and black, and it was very simple. But like the camera work was very simple, and and, and but like I said, I like the like I said the two tubes or tunnels. Yeah, coming out very similar. To, I think what we saw at New Japan show back in September, they had the two separate tunnels for. I don't know. I, I got to double check and look at it again, but I don't know if like one side meant heel and the other side meant baby I, face. Th- that's traditionally what it usually is used for. Is okay. It, it's like, you know, the, back in the day, you're supposed to have the heel locker room, the baby face locker room. Okay. And, you know, uh, you have a, some promotions used to do like separate entries for heels and faces like Lucha Underground did that recently too, which I always thought was really cool. Uh, so I, I definitely appreciated the staging setup, like just from the off the bat, felt big time. Well, even just the, the props of, like you said, the poker chips. Like there's a lot kind of old school, like, like not old school necessarily, but kind of attitude era WWF. Like, you know, you have like the themed pay-per-view. So, you know, you'd have what I I remember, I think it was Armageddon 99. I think it was had the, like, it was like a war zone theme. So you had like the Hummers and like a chopper and stuff like that. And I just remember like, dude, that's really badass. But like WWE for their purpose in the last while now, they just use big jumbotrons now, even like WrestleMania, WrestleMania didn't have like a setup. It was more just like a huge screen, which they would show the, the imagery and the, the, all the photos and videos up there for their video packages, but no actual like props sitting on the stage. So for just like the poker chips, just a nice little touch, a reminder, double or nothing, Las Vegas, yeah. gambling, the, the, the all the that theming stuff. was great. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and I loved... You know, jumping way ahead, obviously, to close the show. I loved how the poker chips came into play at the end. And yes. just the just the visual uh, there was really, really I thought cool. someone's going to come out from it. Yeah. Like a birthday cake. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I really um, just overall on the show, though, what a, what a great and easy watch it was. I thought every match was good to great. Uh, so, like, every, every match delivered. Uh, and it just, it, the pace, even though it was kind of, I think it was over five hours, uh, or r- right about there, maybe it, it didn't feel long at all. It, it kept at a brisk pace, uh, and again, every, and especially the big matches delivered in a huge, huge way. So I, I, I was, I was really impressed overall. What was your overall thought on the just the match quality in the show itself? Yeah, I was going to say I think if you subtract the the pre-show or as Jr. called it the pre-game, yes, <laughs> uh, it was about like three hours forty-five minutes. But they only had what was it seven matches. And so I enjoyed the fact that, like, the, the latter part of the show, those matches had time to breathe as far as Cody, Dustin, Young Bucks, Jericho, Omega. Am I missing any other ones? But, like, those main three, th- those matches went 20-plus minutes. Yeah. had time to tell their story, especially for the Young Bucks, who got their match kind of cut short back at All In last year. But overall, I enjoyed how every match – had it on like a different theme, look, or or these wrestlers represent something different. So there's a little bit of something for everyone. It was like a, a very uh, uh, a nice buffet, I guess you could say, a variety of items to choose from. So you had like 
the the big slobber knocker, you know, with Cody and Dustin, the emotions there. You had the high flying stuff uh, uh, um, with uh, oh my god, who what's the the best friends versus uh, Angelico mm-hmm. and, and and Evans, Jack Evans, Helico and Helico. That's right. But <laughs> my nose is plugged. It's hard for me to pronounce that part. Yeah, that's it. No, it's just because you never. Never mind. Dude, Doesn't great matter. spot on Lucha Underground where he jumped off like the second floor. You didn't watch that. You were told to watch it. <laughs> Dude, amazing spot where he ran and jumped yeah, off into he, the ring. He, he did it more than once. Um, <laughs> I know. It was all no, along. But, but, um, but I, like I said, it's just, yeah, great tag team wrestling. You had a lot of international uh, 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 superstar wrestlers appearing on this all around the country. Um it, it just like you said, it was a little, it was something different for everyone, and um, I think Mark Henry kind of summed up a lot of symbolism there. And so they told a lot of different stories, but like just like you said, just a lot of different things. As a wrestling fan, it was very the variety was nice. Yeah, you didn't know what to expect. I think I think the big winner uh, outside of any single individual match was tag team wrestling. Like that, that was the one thing. Uh, you know, you had the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers put on an absolute match of the year candidate there, even though I think they were upstaged by Cody and Dustin, but still a fantastic tag team championship match. But you look down the line, though, Best Friends versus Angelico and Jack Evans, as you mentioned, also really delivered. Uh, SCU against Stronghearts, one of my favorite matches the whole night. What just a phenomenal contest that was. And Scorpio Sky, that guy is a bona fide superstar. That was, and I love all the guys in SCU, but watching Scorpio Sky work, I just see that guy has no ceiling, dude. He was definitely the most athletic guy in that ring. And I know Christopher Daniels and Frankie Gazarian are a little bit older than Scorpio Sky. So for right now, for SCU, they're probably going to have a fun run together. But I'm excited for down the line. I think Scorpio Sky could probably eventually branch off onto his own. And I see big things from him, especially for I, AEW. I really loved like T-Hawk and, and Seaman. For the, o, the OWE guys, I thought, showed out very well, too. And they were talking about on commentary how this is like a good exhibition to sort of show the world what OWE is all about. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And they they did they showed out that was a fantastic match what a great way to sort of start the the main show of of uh, Double or Nothing I was gonna ask you real quick what do you think of the pre show did you have a chance to watch all that yeah. stuff okay yeah I thought I thought it was good and I and I I respect the kickoff show in that regard because like it makes sense you know and I like that they put the battle royal on there you have one of your biggest stars of the company in that battle royal and winning it in Hangman Adam Page I thought I thought the finish of that came off really well. And, you know, uh, and I think good for him, too, because you go from, you know, going to be having this match with uh, with Pac to now winning the Battle Royal. Uh, You know, MJF, uh, we saw later on the show, that guy's a superstar heel. Dude, my brother loved him. Like, like I think a lot of he won a lot of people over that night as arguably he could be the next best heel in professional wrestling. He was awesome to watch. He came off really well. He has very strong uh, Richard tendencies, as it were, <laughs> uh, and so, and so that that was cool. I, I liked I liked the kickoff, but I think kicking off the main show proper with so with SCU versus Stronghearts was the absolute right call. Okay, it got everybody really really invested in what was going on. I was just gonna say real quick. Also, Kip Sabian versus Sammy Gov. Guevara, am I pronouncing Guevara. it? Guevara. Yeah. But uh, those two guys, it's like, to give them credit, I know the Battle Royal, there's a lot of people involved, so everyone has a lot of big spots they can do just to kind of get the crowd amped up, a lot of like old school veterans and the new talent mixed together. But uh, for Kip and his, uh, uh, for Sammy, kudos to them for going out there and doing a lot of high-flying spots to get the crowd even more warmed up before the main show's starting. 
So for them, I'm sure that's a lot of pressure to go out there and for AEW's first show, get like I said, get the crowd warmed up before the start of SCU and those guys coming out. So like I said, those guys too, I'm also really, I think Kip and Sammy could be our big stars down the road as well. So I think this pre-show could really set the tone of the future stars of AEW down the road. But also Jungle Boy, great showing of him. Yeah, also Very in, cool to see. In the Battle Royal. Billy Gunn was kind of funny. He's <laughs> doing some funny spots there. Yeah. Even Tommy Dreamer and Glacier. I was like, what? I mean, you can tell these are all friends of Cody. What, what, what a come up for Glacier over the last like year or so, you know, be, being so close with Cody and everything like that. I always thought Glacier was really badass as a kid, and I love playing as him in WCW versus NWO. Uh, but, I mean, for him to be, it's 2019 and back in the ring and, and the spots like this, I just, you know, never thought I'd see that. But good for him. Yeah, it was cool seeing Tommy Dreamer taking what, take the staples and everything like that. Like that that was uh, oh um 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 what's his name uh uh havoc havoc stapling uh bad boy janella the the cigarette on his head yeah. like okay that was one my one little pet peeve some of the camera work was a little off i think they were focusing on other things and then all of a sudden they turn and look at uh joey and he has a cigarette to his head but they they did not actually capture on video yeah. i mean stuff like that's gonna happen though but i was like oh it would have been nice to see havoc actually stapling the cigarette to his forehead we saw it afterwards and he's screaming like ah but some of the camera work was a little off i mean i'm sure that's something they'll work out work out over smooth out over time i, I mean you can watch any wwe show and, you, and you'll find some camera errors and stuff like that where they're taking the wrong angle or what have you uh i, I mean it definitely was not it did not have you know it was not a show without some miscues um but uh, overall, I thought they absolutely hit a home run. Uh, I guess while we're talking about miscues, the, the biggest one was on commentary. Um, and I understand that, uh, you know, Alex uh, Marvez is a really talented writer. I did not think that he seemed prepared uh, for this spot in terms of being the third voice on commentary. I thought Jim Ross was absolutely awesome, and it immediately adds legitimacy to AEW. Uh, to have him on the call. And I thought Jim Ross and Excalibur had a really good chemistry with one another. Uh, but Alex and then Allie, when Allie commentated the women's match, she had nothing to say. She exactly. just said, I'm so excited. Uh, you He's know, awesome. Uh, you know, I remember, I think somebody even asked her like, how excited for you? She's like, Oh, I'm so excited. And so th- th- there was just, there was some, not everybody is born to, to commentate yes. and stuff like that. And so uh, I thought, I thought Alex came up a little bit short and there. He seemed lost at times, had to be corrected on the date of you know one of the shows when and the everything. tickets go on sale t- t- yeah the tickets on sale date and you know and and to his credit he tried to cover well for that but he just i thought jr and x cow would have been better served probably just doing it themselves i was gonna say it probably would have been better just a two-man commentary team jr is even jr even told us he prefers the two-man commentary team that when you have three or more it's hard for everybody to get their stuff in well a lot of times on the pay-per-view itself in order i guess to make sure everyone was speaking Jim Ross or Excalibur would say, hey, Alex, what do you have to think about this? Like they would act, like personally acknowledge him, say, hey, this, what do you have to say about this to, Like for your cue? Um, Excalibur, though, I was curious, like one thing about JR, it's, he always works great when he has kind of like more of that heel commentator. Do you think Excalibur could kind of maybe evolve into that more and maybe kind of be more heelish? That way they could have the opposite viewpoints on some stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know if they really need that. I, cause I was feeling the chemistry with X Cal as, as he was. I liked his energy. Yeah. I, I, so I thought they worked fine. I don't think they necessarily need to heal him or, or anything like that. They might want to down the line when you're doing like a weekly, 
a TV show kind of deal. Yeah. Or maybe the third voice, if they're going to keep going with a three-man booth, is the heel voice to it kind of deal. But uh, I, I, I like Excal as is right I, I think my problem with Alex was his voice, he just lacked a lot of charisma and kind of came off low energy. And so I, for him, like I'm listening and – like when you chime in, he was just good at reading like the copy points for the most part, like the station business or the the promotion business. Yeah, except like, when it came time to give the date. I know, yeah, that. But like he was always good, like reminding, like, oh yeah, we're gonna be doing this event and doing that event. It's and, one thing I've always respected about you, Baby Huey, is that you are like the king of getting the the, the talents plugs in and stuff oh, like yeah. that, and like d- doing the dates well. And I saw, I saw, you know, Alex just sort of fumble there it's like man you know you had one job <laughs> yeah kind of deal so that, i mean that that's a nitpick or whatever but yeah i did hopefully I did. he'll get better I, like yeah. uh, to, to, we don't know the guy personally this is their first yeah, show I, from what i understand he's a great writer yeah and and maybe that's more what he's going to be maybe what he should be doing for them but i think hopefully he, if he keeps doing more of these he will get better over time yeah i just don't think this is not like it's not a training ground yeah you're in the second biggest wrestling promotion in the world now yeah so I, I hear you. It's not. It's not a place to get better on the fly. Yeah. Um. So we talked. We talked about the pre-show. Uh, we talked or the pre-game. Uh, we talked <laughs> about uh, SCU and Strong Hearts. Uh, the the women's match. The first ever women's match also brought with it the first surprise of the evening. So mm. it's supposed to be a triple threat match, and then Brandy Rhodes came out there and introduced Awesome Kong. It was really cool to see Awesome Kong come out. I think it's also a great call given the success of Glow and everything to have her involved and just get more eyeballs on it. So th- I thought that was really awesome. Is Brandy going to be more of like a heelish uh, authority figure? Probably. That's kind okay. of the feel that I'm going for. Okay. That, that, that it seems like. Because that's the one thing I really enjoyed about this show was hopefully this is a big example of what we can expect week to week when they come to TNT this fall. Now, granted, they've had a few months to plan for the show and the storyline. So how AEW is going to do on a week-to-week as far as turning out content for two hours every week, that's going to be a whole different story. But as far as the buildup for this and kind of seeing an idea of how some of these uh, wrestlers' personalities are going to be represented on the TV show, I'm excited. So with that being said, I'm really going to probably enjoy seeing Brandy Rhodes as like the more heelish, Maybe for the women's division. Yeah. Well, to sort of to that point, talking about like the the TV show and what it will be week to week. That's almost what impressed me most about Double or Nothing is that outside of, you know, the top, you know, the main events on the card, there wasn't a lot of matches that really had a ton of buildup and story behind them. So that was like the most indie thing about it was it's like we're just having matches. This is an attraction. This is an attraction. Have a match. And I was still really engaged and enthralled by it. So that's going to be the benefit of when they have a weekly TV show. They mm. they put on a kick-ass killer show that had, you know, the, the engagement of the audience and everybody watching at home uh, from start to finish. And that's without having a weekly TV show to build in interest and care about these characters yet. And I and so that was really exciting. And I and I think the benefit of the TV show, you saw maybe the one sort of shortcoming in the ring is when uh you know, the lights went out and those the guy, those guys showed up and the crowd starts chanting, who are you? Yeah. And, and uh, that was maybe the one misstep of Excalibur, not saying who they were. And JR even asked, was like, well, who are these? Like, I hesitate to say. It's like, no, don't hesitate to say because people don't know who they are right now. Yeah, they're the Super Smash Brothers. I had to look it up. I was like, yeah, who exactly. are these guys? Yeah. But, uh, but with your, uh, going off that, as far as great matches with little buildup, yeah, a lot of these video packages, all they had to use were the rallies. Like the one in Florida, or mostly from the Las Vegas um, 
rally that they had a couple months ago. Yeah. That's really, and then maybe a few indie shows and some clips from being the elite. But those were really, they were limited on what resources even, they yeah, had. Even just audience investment. I mean, you had SCU and Stronghearts. It was just like, just go out there and have a great match and make people care. And they did. Because I would say with Jericho and Omega, I mean, they said this is their second match together. But for the video package, all that was was from the Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, they couldn't use none of the New Japan uh, uh, Wrestle Kingdom that, stuff. At least, like, if you're a wrestling fan, you understand yes. why that match is important yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But, you know, the you go on down the line, like Jack Evans and Angelico versus Best Friends. Hey, go out there and make people give a crap about your match. Yeah. And they did. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you there. But and like for them, I'm excited for the tag team division because those two sets of teams and then later on the Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks. Like, so that night alone... We saw four great tag teams go at it, and if you want to add SCU and and uh, um, uh, the uh, what's their names, the Stronghearts as well, they're gonna have plenty of talent to pick from and have great matches. Com- uh, you know, pick and choose who to work with. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, again, so we we did see uh, Britt Baker prevailed in the the Fatal Four Way match. Mrs. Adam Cole, baby, it's Doctor Britt Baker. She's not Mrs. anymore. She's got her degree. Uh, so yeah, good. Was for he her. there? Do you know if he was there? I don't know. I'm. I don't know if he if he was there. Or I gotta not. look it up. I was just curious. Like, I, did, I did appreciate Big E on Twitter how he wished congratulations and everybody a good show. It was like, hey, everybody that's participating in Redacted, I hope you have a great show. <laughs> like, it was it was pretty funny and clever. Um, I don't know how many people in WWE will be tweeting about their support for AEW after the show. Given was it Bailey? Yes, on Saturday morning said like I love wrestling or something like today's a big day for wrestling or well, good for her. She I th- was very generic in her in her uh, tweet. Uh, I I will say this. Um, Maria Canellis took to Twitter. Yeah, and she said uh, our, our contracts expire in three weeks. Just saying. And Whoa. and then some fa- uh, some fan was like uh, contracts for what? Oh, she said contracts are up in th- in in three weeks. Just saying dot dot dot. And then some fan asked contracts where, and she goes our gym memberships dot dot dot. So we'll see. Uh. But I mean, I, I doubt that's what she really means. But uh, okay. So we'll we'll see what happens there and everything like that. But uh, moving on, we talked about it already a little bit. But best friends versus Angelico and Jack Evans again. Just the. Tag division for AEW already just so strong and was really a big winner uh, of the evening, I thought, overall. What do you think about the best friends in Jack Evans and Helico? I mean, like I said, I didn't know too much about all those guys involved. I just know, like, um, you know, uh, Trent, I think, had, you know, some a little run in WWE um, and, and, and Helico. Uh, from what I've gathered from you. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, it, it, those guys... A lot of flips, a lot of just fun storytelling in there. My thing, though, is like, for okay, let me ask you this. For a great tag team division, it can't just be all about flips and stuff. So I hope they bring in more variety of tag teams, like big guys, small guys, medium size. So, so it like, hopefully, this is just one showing of how tag team matches can be in AEW, but long term. Bring in a variety of different different styles of tag team wrestling. Yeah, I didn't think any of it felt repetitive though. Like I feel I feel like all the tag matches sort of had like a good layout and weren't just solely you know spot dependent and everything like that. I felt like they told a good story. Again, going back to uh, one of my favorite matches tonight, Stronghearts and SCU. Uh, I thought I thought they worked a really stiff, good style of match. So I, I would love to see you know two of the Stronghearts participating in in you know the AEW tag division. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was a really good showing from Angelico Evans and the best friends. 
Uh, I'm excited just to see where that all goes. Eventually, uh, you know, jump looking ahead with with the Young Bucks holding on to the AAA World Tag Team Championships. I think, I mean, eventually, in short order, AEW has to bring in their own tag titles, I would imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the other thing is, like, I wonder how over time are they going to start bringing in more titles and start using that for their own storylines, which... Like I know they have another pay-per-view in June and another one. I mean, they announced a return to Chicago Labor Day weekend as well. Wow. And then October will be their first, you know, television show. So I wonder at one of the next couple pay-per-views, are they going to start introducing like tag titles or mid-card title, women's tag titles, women's title. So I'm just curious how that's all going to play out. But, but for these guys, like I said, I'm excited for the tag team division and – they, if anything, made sure the Young Bucks go out there and delivered a big match as well. So I appreciate there were a lot of tag team wrestling on this show. You were mentioning uh, the championships, and that was another big, big surprise at Double or Nothing, and that was the unveiling of the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, and they brought out Brett, the Hitman Hart, to unveil their title. That was a surprise that I didn't hear any rumors about or anything like that. I was totally, totally shocked by it. Super rad that they uh, got Brett to come out there to do it. And uh, kind of a shot across the bow a little bit to have, you know, one of WWF's, WWE's all-time legends do that. Well, I guess it kind of makes sense. He was already in Vegas for StarCast. So I guess that's kind of the perfect way of hiding it. It's not like it's secret that he was like, oh, my God, there's Bret Hart. Where's he doing in town? Totally. He was already there. So people just assume he's just hanging out in Vegas doing StarCast. So smart part, a smart move on their part as far as like what do you call it, living out publicly or, uh, uh, you know, like when you're a bad guy trying to live out. Living the gimmick? Living though. Oh, my God. I can't think of it. Like in Breaking Bad, you know, Walter White, he was living out in the life. Hidden in plain sight? Yeah, hidden in plain sight. So, like, so, you know, Bret Hart, like, he was already there. I wonder if the plan was always for it to be Bret or if the 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 health complications with Ric Flair. I wonder if Ric Flair was originally maybe slated for that spot, uh, given his connections to Conrad and everything like that. Well, Bret Hart posted on Instagram that Cody personally called him. But, yeah, as far as timeline goes, was that – the day before or a month ago, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. But it was really cool seeing Brett uh, come out there and, and unveil the championship. What did you think of the, the look of the title? Okay, a couple things. Initially, right away, I was like, wow. I mean, I like how big it is. Uh, my brother said it immediately reminded him of the old school uh, Mid-South title, the old school title back in the day, Magnum TA used to have. Uh, but at the same time, the way with the kind of the designs, very much like IWGP, IWGP yeah. championship, New Japan's title. So I wonder if it's kind of like a combination of the two coming together. Um, like for me, it's like th- that style. It's probably really cool when you look up close at it, but then like from far away, it looks kind of like a lot of jagged edges. So sometimes I like titles that are like very smooth, like with the shine. So I don't know. Up close, I'm sure it looks beautiful. You can see the actual detail on yeah. it. What what came to mind for me was the the heavy IWEG, IWGP sort of influence on it. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought it's I think it's a good looking world championship. And I'm interested to see if that's gonna be sort of the how the other ones will look in regard to it. But I love the size of it. It's friggin' huge yeah. belt. So that, that is a world championship, no doubt about it. A very cool way to unveil it with Bret Hart and Adam Page and then uh, MJF coming down. Uh, I thought it was, Boy. it was a great segment, uh, you know, to how everything worked out. Well, that's what I was kind of confused. Like, okay, it makes sense with Hangman Page coming down since he won the Battle Royal. 
But then the rest of the guys, Havoc, Jungle Boy, MJF. I mean, MJ, MJF makes sense because he got eliminated by Hangman, and I'm, I'm assuming he might be in the title scene probably in the near future. But Jungle Boy and Havoc kind of coming out. Everybody wants it, and nobody wants, you know, legend disrespected and stuff like that. Well, I just want to wish, okay, one thing, little chaos right there. And all of a sudden, Bret Hart takes out a bag and just starts showing it. I wish maybe Bret would say, all right, now, like, calm down. Let's, or or the the guy in the, the the British comedian whoever that yeah, was Whitehall yeah if he would have said all right guys calm down calm down Brett let's officially unveil it there was no official like like drum roll please yeah, yeah that's my only thing it's like all of a sudden you see them wrestling outside the ring and all of a sudden you see Bret Hart holding the belt up so I was like that was my one little thing is to make it a little more smooth just be like the 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 host in the ring be like hey all right settle down settle down Brett let's let's we're out here for a reason. Please unveil it, you know, and then bring it out. That's one thing. Just I liked MJF's dig about the Hall of Fame uh, incident. That was a very good heel move. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, that was a cool segment. Let's let's get into, though, the, I think the match that most people are talking about. It's Cody versus Dustin Rhodes. Uh, in my estimation, it stole the show. I think it's an absolute match of the year candidate. Um, two of the be- you know, each of them might be the best match of their respective careers they've had. Um Told a fantastic emotional story. Uh, I love the build-up video package and everything like that, and I love the post-match uh, speech from Cody and the embrace. What did you just like? What What was your uh, thoughts on the match? If you didn't have goosebumps or a teary eye by the end of that match, then you're not human. You're not a wrestling fan because that match alone kind of summed up why we love professional wrestling. As far as Connecting the dots of all the years that we had invested in professional wrestling, going back to Goldust's career in WWE, what Cody's been able to accomplish, what their father is known for and accomplished. It it had so much in that match for us to dig into and talk about and what they played out for us. It was such an amazing match in that sense. Um, I just, I, I, man, I cannot, like... <sighs> Dustin so rose to the occasion yes. and brought it. His selling was off the page. I loved when he he went for like the big punch when he could barely see and just spun himself to the ground. It's just you don't really see selling like that and just storytelling uh, in We're that way. About the, the beginning though, Cody coming out and oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. His, so his, yeah, it's the the sort of the the Twitter moment from from Double or Nothing. Which was during Cody's entrance, he looks at this throne, this very Triple H inspired throne, right down to the skulls and the sort of like Triple H logo. See, uh, I thought he was going to sit in it and then be walked out like uh, like the Cow Palace. Yeah, New Japan. Uh, But he walks down to the ring. Brandy, very Stephanie McMahon ish, pulls out the sledgehammer and and gives it to him. And he smashes the throne. You know, the smoke goes off and the throne crumbles. I thought it was cool. People, I think, are making a bigger deal of it in terms of what it means and everything like that. I'm sure that Triple H and Cody probably having a good laugh about it. I think it. I think it's good-natured, uh, friendly ribbing back and forth. Yeah. Triple H sort of started it when he called Cody's thing a pissant company. And I think this is just Cody sort of firing back. I don't think it's... Listen, people are trying to say it's like, you know, they, they are at war and everything like that. But AEW can't take on WWE head-to-head. They just can't right now. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think that's their goal. Again, the success of AEW is is based on whether or not we're talking about them five years from now. Yes. It's not that they're number one in the ratings or anything like that. It's that they exist and they're viable and they're an alternative. Yes. 
Uh, and so I, I thought it was an awesome spot and a great, great entrance. Uh, but I don't think it means quite what everybody else is saying. It means I don't think I don't think Triple H is like offended by it or anything like that. I mean, Triple H probably got a smirk like, huh, like, all right. Or I wish kind of maybe Cody would take. I'm sure they probably texted about it. Like, hey, I'm going to do this. Like, nobody, like, Triple H loved Dusty Rhodes and helped lay the groundwork of NXT with Dusty Rhodes. So I'm sure, you know, he appreciated it for what it was. I don't think he was offended by it. I'm sure Triple H, deep down, knows this is good for the business. Yeah, he he never admitted publicly, but yes. Yes. In his own mind, like, none of us are inside Triple H's head except for him. You know, deep down, he's probably sure. Like, this is just speculating, and this is what a lot of people speculate. I'm sure at times he's frustrated that he can't do more with Raw and SmackDown because Vince ultimately calls all the shots. But we see what Triple H can do with NXT, and we assume if there's ever a time and day he does take over WWE, that's going to carry over to Raw and SmackDown. So a lot of people are just hoping that that will come in the near future. Yeah. With that being said, he knows in order for the business, wrestling as a whole, to stay stay popular – you need competition to push one another. So I'm sure deep down he loves the fact that AEW is there. And, and there's also like sort of like the rule, like when you're number two, you always talk about the competition and how like you're better than them and stuff like that because you want to uh, you want to sort of incite and entice WWE to talk about you because it, you yeah. know, they're number one. So they have, they have more viewers, they have more eyeballs. So if you get them to talk about you, then it's like, oh, well, what are they talking about? It's very much... It's an old school radio tactic. Absolutely. For us, you know, uh, for the morning show that I work on, there's been a lot of morning shows who've come in this market and know that we're the long heritage number one morning show. So that we have a plenty of morning shows over the years who started and they immediately talk about us day one. And we know that's the old school tactic. You talk about the big dog, go after them. Hopefully they'll talk about you, expose your name to their audience. And that's how you can maybe start chipping away at them. Yeah. But, but like I said, for, 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 AEW saying, I was kind of hoping Cody might take one more swing and like hit off the other part of the chair. I thought it looked great as it was. I you only it, took one swing. I was like, ah, like hit, no, I thought, hit a few I more. Was, I thought it was perfect, uh, and I and I think it, it it does well for stoking the fires of the fans that sort of do feel like rebelling against WWE. Here's here's the thing though, it gets the Twitter and social media uh, yeah, co- was, conversation it was, going. It was the most uh, it was the most social media like sort of savvy thing that they could have done. Yeah. Uh, um, but the, my, my takeaway from it is like, I'm not an AEW versus WWE guy. And it doesn't have to be one of these things where it's like, look, we love pro wrestling. I'm happy that there's a viable alternative. Like I love WWE and I'm, I have a feeling after the show, I'm going to absolutely love AEW as well. And I do think they're b- existing at the same time is going to be good for both companies and so I, I just I because I've been texting with people and stuff like that, and there are some very salty fans out there, some very salty fans out there that are like you know just WWE loyalists, and they're like, oh look at this like little pissant company and taking a shot at you know Triple H and stuff, and then and then there are those like us who can appreciate both companies for what they are, you know, and. I've seen people try and be like, oh, like, you know, this, this show is better than WrestleMania or how could this show be considered better than WrestleMania? This show wasn't WrestleMania. It's two very different things. Like the beauty of WrestleMania is that you have years upon years and lineage of WrestleMania to build off of and to enjoy. And it, it is funny because it, it, it does cut both ways. You have like 
the WWE loyalists that are just going to crap on AEW as being a bunch of jobbers that, you know, or never was or has been's that can't make it to the big time. And then you're going to have the people on the other side, the sort of like indie diehard fanatics that crap on everything WWE. Thing that bothers me about them is those very same people then will be at WrestleMania weekend and talking about what a great time it was. It's like it's like the Easter Christians. <laughs> so it's like you're gonna you're gonna show up when it's convenient for you when it's the yeah, biggest weekend yeah, yeah. of the year, but all the rest of the time you're just gonna crap on it. But just enjoy both. You know, there's plenty of room in our hearts for both. As uh, Rodney King say, can't we all just get along? That's right. I mean, between WWE, I saw like a meme earlier today between WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan. Triple A, Impact Wrestling. Um, am I missing anything else like, as far as major promotions? There's, um, I mean, I know Lucha Underground was a thing. Yeah, but, uh, uh, the, and, and then all the independent wrestling in your respected area. There's so much wrestling out there. Now, I know the TV ratings for Raw and SmackDown might not necessarily reflect wrestling as popular on the mainstream, but overall, as far as us wrestling fans, there's so much out there that if we take the time and invest in it, there's so much for us to digest, take in, and 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 absorb. And that's the ultimate thing about this weekend. It shows that there's so much out there. And if you're a, a professional wrestler yourself, you have options now that you might not have had five years ago. And so yeah, that's and, that, a, and that's a fantastic thing. That's the great thing. You can support it all. Sure, you might favor one thing or the other. That's okay, but at least respect that there's something else out there so that your common wrestling peer or friend can have something to to look forward to and be a fan of and, yeah. and, and spend their money on. I just saw a lot of salty people on both sides on social media and everything like that, and I, I tell you, man, I, I I just thoroughly enjoyed this show, so I didn't see it, any need for, for it being to need to be one way or you, the other. If you hate on this show, then what do you want out of a wrestling show then? Like, what do you want that will make you happy? That's what drives me nuts. It's like, if this doesn't make you happy, or if WWE, or uh, I NXT they, TakeOver, like, I don't know what else can these people do with their bodies to make you happy. There's something wrong with you then as a person. I thought this was a uh, a better show than All In, too. I, th- I thought, yeah, oh I, yeah, yeah. I thought so too. Yeah, I thought top to bottom, they delivered better than they did at all in. Not and all in was great. We should go to all out. I would like to Chicago. Uh, but this, this I thought just delivered on all aspects. Again, every match was good to great. And going back to Dustin and Brandy, yeah. uh, I, I mean, excuse me, Dustin and <laughs> well, they had a moment together. They, they did. Going by going back to Dustin and Cody, uh, this to me, it might not have been. The technical Matt classic that maybe like, you know, Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano was yeah. uh, at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Uh, but this this was to me probably the best match I saw all year because of the story that it told. It's sort of, again, it goes back to sort of your personal tastes. Uh, for me, at the end of the day, wrestling is performance art and it's all about telling a great story. I have not seen a better story told than that brother versus brother kind of deal. And, I mean, right, the blade job that Dustin did was gruesome and tough to watch. It's yes. probably the the hardest blade job I've seen since Eddie Guerrero. I believe it was Judgment Day uh, versus yeah. JBL. Um, JBL and John Cena. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I, that the, the, the Eddie Guerrero one's the worst one I've ever seen in my life. Uh, this one was as close to that as I've ever seen in terms of just being almost uncomfortable to watch at times, you know, when you see him roll over and it's just gushing. Yeah. Uh, but they they really told a fantastic story about this, the old dog that wouldn't stay down. And just 
even his selling, even post match when Cody came back into the ring and like Dustin had like had enough, you know, and and then well, he was trying to take his boot off. Yeah, he said in a post match press conference he was trying to take his boot off, leaving the ring to symbolize I am done. This is my last match. But Cody came running back. You don't in. get to retire. Yeah, yeah and and that, and that was just what a what a beautiful period on the end of that sentence. And then, uh, if you haven't seen the movie Warrior, uh, it's starring uh, Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton. Uh, it's a UFC movie. Kurt Angle's in it. Um, underrated movie. Uh, Nick Nolte got nominated for an Oscar for it, but it's an underrated film. Nick Nolte. Uh, Love Nick Nolte. But the it harkened back to that movie because it's about two brothers that end up fighting each other in the, in the ring in this tournament. Okay. And th- there's a moment very similar to the movie with, with D- when Dustin and Cody walk up the ramp together after they just had this war. I mean, it's just, it's cinematic stuff, man. Well, the other thing I enjoyed about this movie was the pacing and you can even divide the matchup in sections. Like there was the, the, the um, first se- first act where it was them kind of just feeling each other out and kind of poking at each other and teasing each other. Cody doing the flip and, you know, the hands across his face like Stardust. And um, uh, he did the old school gold dust slide under and yeah. slap him. And then later on, Dustin says, not today, and slap So they were kind of just feeling each other out. I love that. It's like you could tell that's, for as far as storytelling a match goes, like you're building up the anticipation and building up to, like, the big finish. It, I you know, listen, I, I love indie wrestling. I love how, like, all the big flipping matches that you can do out there. But sometimes these type of matches are much more better for us as a fan because the storytelling, it, it, you're building, it's like going up a roller coaster and you come down and, like, it's this amazing ride, this jer- emotional journey that you go through. I thought, I thought this was uh, JR's best moments of the night, too. Like, it was, it was perfect having him on the call for this. When Dustin was coming out the first time, uh, and he says that's an awfully long walk for a 50-year-old man to take to earn some respect in his family. I'm yeah. like, oh my God. Like, oh, just the symbolism there of what this match means. And then, I, so, I think there's a little bit of confusion. I thought initially Dustin got cut when he hit the middle turnbuckle that was exposed. But then, when they were doing the replay of that in the, like, the double picture, Brandy came up and hit him with her cane and so it's like Dustin took two shots to the head, and then when she did the spear, that's when you saw Dustin like laying under the ring, and I think that's when he was doing his blading right there. But as far as three big hits, the turnbuckle, the Brandy hitting him in the, the forehead with her 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 her, her uh, cane or whatever stick that she had, and then him taking the her from the spear from her, it's like oh, and then the bleeding afterwards, and then just Cody. Wiping the blood across his, yeah. cha- uh, his chest. And- it was interesting to see uh, DDP, uh, who, again, uh, said he was a WWE guy on this very program. I know. And, I, and I was like, interesting. So I don't know if that's just, again, another StarCast thing and it's just a one-off deal. But I mean, you, you know his relationship with the Rhodes family. So. I know, but still, he. I mean, he said he's a WWE guy. He wishes AEW We should play well. back that audio. You hypocrite. Look at that. I mean, I just, I'm just interested and curious as to what his involvement will be. Yeah, the Nightmare Family be. shirt on. Of course, yeah. I, so it, it's just... It's curious to see what his involvement will be moving forward. But the gushing when Dustin at one point where he was like like pure like pouring out. I was yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah, it was it was gross, honestly. But I mean, they told a beautiful story. Uh and again, if you're that the post match talk from Cody uh, and and asking for, for Dustin to not be his friend or his partner, but to be his big brother, uh, and moving into, you know, fight for the fallen against the young bucks, hell of a thing. You know, him just, you know, you don't get to retire here kind of deal. 
uh, perfect ending to a to a beautiful story. Uh, maybe maybe Dustin's best performance in his career. Maybe Cody's. He said in a post match interview that he wants to be remembered for that match. And and I think a, he he absolutely that'll be part of it for sure. I don't think there's any any undoing the fact that you know Dustin's biggest legacy in the wrestling industry will be his gold dust. Yeah, but in terms of a single match. I think it's going to be the Hollywood backlot brawl. Yeah. It's going to be that match at Double or Nothing are the two matches that he will be most remembered for. And how many years apart is that? It's 20, crazy. 20-something years? It is absolutely off the page at how good Dustin still is and and how you could argue that he might be better now than he was then. It, it's, it's ridiculous. And that's what I'm excited, and it's something we talked about many times before, is moving forward, even if Dustin's not wrestling anymore, how he if he could still work with AEW in some capacity, either as a road agent, producer, a trainer, or something, the knowledge, the amount of knowledge that he has earned and create and learn over the years, that he could pass it on to someone else, to the next generation wrestlers, very much what like his dad did for NXT. I think that's the ultimate sign for him for his legacy. I think that's a great a paying it forward. And I think that's like him carrying on the tradition that his dad started. And that's what I'm excited for AEW is like if you work there, the amount of knowledge you can learn from all the older veterans that are like coming on board, that's exciting stuff. Uh, Young Bucks defending their Triple H Tag Team Championship match, Triple uh, T- T- H Tag Team Championship against the Lucha Brothers. You and I both thought this was going to be Lucha Brothers all day, given yeah. you know, the lineage of the title and how they should probably put it back on the Lucha Bros. Uh, but they went a different way. And the Young Bucks hold on to it. It was a phenomenal match. I think, you know, I think it just comes down to personal taste, whether you liked this one or Cody versus Dustin more. Um, but the one, you know, really big takeaway that I had as a huge Pentagon Junior, Pentagon Dark Mark, uh, was how friggin' over he is just everywhere he yeah. goes. You know, it wasn't just like Lucha Underground lightning in a bottle. It's not just AAA. It's he, that guy is a bona fide top tippy top guy yeah uh and hopefully a future AEW world champion uh and it's it's cool to see hopefully pentagon will be a big part of AEW moving forward and i really like the commentary here too talking about you know that the young bucks they are the tag team specialists the lucha bros while an excellent tag team are also really really strong established single stars as well with with phoenix and pentagon so I, I thought I thought they did really well here. Uh, the Young Bucks retained. What did you think of the match? I mean, like I said, I think it was a great make good for all in for the Young Bucks as far as getting a long extended match to go out there and show them what they are and why and to prove why they love tag team wrestling and they and their their whole message is they want to make wrestling tag team wrestling great again. And so this really did that. And so for the Lucha Bros, I really enjoyed them coming out and the mask that they had on their head, the like the, the skull mask they both had coming out with the hoodies and stuff. Um, I enjoyed that. And then even I love the Young Bucks coming out in Las Vegas with the Elvis-inspired jumpsuits. Yes, that was very good. Even Las Vegas. I was like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. But just, there was a lot of high-flying spots in this match. My, that was my one thing. I was like, they were all kicking out of all these huge, fin- like potential finishes. So there was a lot of like high spots. I was like, man, these guys are all like coming off like immortal superheroes as far as like um, multiple like Meltzer bombs and like flipping over each other. And I was like, man, 
it, it, it's, you know, we always kind of criticize sometimes how like a lot of these like finishers get kind of um, watered down because so many times people kick out of them. This one, that was my only thing was like, these guys are kicking out so many of these big moves. It's like, what is there left to do to, to, to beat the other opponent? But then again, that's what made it so entertaining because it's like everyone had like when they had nothing left, dig down deep below to put out something big out there to take out the opponent. So, uh, but overall, very fun match, and yeah. I think I, both these guys can easily carry the tag team division for a long period of time. But let me ask you that, like for AAA, for them, I know they announced they had the partnership with AAA. So long term, maybe the reason they didn't give it back to the Lucha Brothers is the Young Bucks are going to hold on to it for a while. Probably do some work down there. And also, and yeah, the fill time until their TV deal. Maybe the tag team titles won't come into the picture for AEW for a while, some for a few months. So this is kind of like their that's, set, their... that's their tag team title right For now. right now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, I agree with that. So then we had the main event, Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. Uh, the Both entrances were phenomenal. Uh, Jericho really... Uh, coming off just like, again, the superstar that he is. I I was surprised that the Jericho won the match. Uh, you know, you, you and I both thought that this was going to be Kenny, uh, but I think I think it was a good surprise. Uh, I'm looking forward to Jericho and, and Adam Page. Uh, I, th- I thought they put on a hell of a match. It was different than their match that they had at Wrestle Kingdom. Yes. Was it as good? No, but it was an, it was an impossible act to follow, and I feel like they were smart to tell sort of a different kind of story here than they, they did in their match in New Japan. Uh, th- that match is one of the all-time greatest matches ever. So, you know, I already knew they were sort of set up to fail here in terms of topping what they did. Because you can't you can't top that. This match. one was a little bit slower, yes. and I felt like more just... Gritty. Gritty and, like, just trying to beat the living S out of each other. But very enjoyable. Yeah, it felt personal and... Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought they did a hell of a job. Well, let me ask you this before we talk about like you know since Jericho won, I'm curious. Okay, if Hangman Page and Pac was supposed to happen at this show, who was going to win there, and then who's going to win that this match to then fight for the title? I, I think they may have made a change, perhaps because the what have you online was that Pac was supposed to beat Adam Page okay. to eventually lose to Kenny Omega. Okay, so extrapolating from that, I think one could be like, well. You know, you we're see, gonna we're gonna have Adam Page, so we need a heel. Exactly. Okay. And so we got Jericho, and also it, it you know it, it plays into you know Jericho. You know, obviously he's he's a huge star, but he is going to be the the heel here. And he's talking about how you know when he said AEW is Jericho, that this isn't a promotion for the fans. This is a promotion for me. I loved how he was telling the fans to shut up in the post match uh, speech that he was giving and everything like that. So, you know, Jericho. He's so incredibly talented in his ability to reinvent himself. But one thing I always appreciate about him that not a lot of people get that I think MJF really gets is that to be a heel in pro wrestling, it's not to be cool. It's to be hated, which is why, like, you know, guys like Jericho and Champa, they didn't want a ton of merch being sold, you know, even when stuff was getting over. It's like, no, I'm the bad guy. I don't want them to buy my stuff. Yeah. Kind of deal. And so, you know, when the list started getting really over, Jericho started sort of like withholding that. He doesn't want people chanting along with you just made the list. Yeah. And so, but eventually, you know, there comes a point where that's why you have to turn him babyface. But he is such an artist at being a true heel. Well, the the other thing, so yeah, that's what, with this outcome, I was very shocked. Like, don't get me wrong, we love Chris Jericho. 
but we assumed Kenny Omega was going to win just because he's friends with all the... I, I thought Kenny was going to be the first AEW champion. Me too. That's what I thought as well, but I guess because of the whole Pac situation, that really kind of last minute audible in their situation as far as how to change things up. And so Hangman Page being inserted into the Battle Royal, him winning. So with him winning, I was like, okay, it's going to be kind of tough having Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega, two baby faces going at it. You need a heel. So with him winning, I think for a lot of people, they started early on. I was like, oh, okay, maybe Jericho's going to win just to have that heel. But now looking back on it, I know a lot of us wanted maybe Kenny to be the first AEW champion. I I kind of see Jericho winning the whole thing too. because he has that star power and more mainstream. Out of everyone on that roster, he has the most mainstream appeal. And to he get has- AEW as a, as a promotion, having him as your number one guy right out of the gate is probably best for them to get people w- watching. It's, it's the smartest call He's the most social media savvy. He's yeah. the most PR savvy. He knows how to create buzz. He he, he, he's, he's got his podcast. He has his rock band. He's been doing this pro wrestling thing. And he's a recognizable name to some, some of the maybe WWE loyalists that aren't as familiar you know, with Kenny Omega and stuff like that. Look, there's no doubt Kenny Omega is a huge superstar. But he's so damn humble and he's so damn nice that he he does. I, Jericho's going to be much better, in my opinion, of sort of stirring the drink at, at the start of what AEW is. So I, I think it is. I think he'll drink it in, man. Exactly. I think it's a very smart call uh, to put it on Jericho, and it's going to be really fun to have maybe Kenny chase for a little while yes. and be like, no, I beat you. I don't want to give you this match and stuff like that. So, and the other thing is, what I'm really excited about. I think there's big box office dollar signs behind Chris Jericho and Cody down the line for the title. Okay, I think that yeah. would be a hell of a feud. Trot Dustin out there again and have Jericho versus Dustin maybe in the lead up to that. You do a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and so I think Jericho being the first champion is the smart business decision for them. You're going to eventually put it on Kenny probably many, many times. But uh, I, I think for right now, uh, it's it's the good call. I'm excited. I think I think Jer- and I think Jericho is going to make Adam Page in their title match. No matter who wins, Adam Page is going to come out looking even more like a superstar than he is when he goes in there. And the other thing too for for Jericho, the only my only concern about him being champion is I know Fozzie is touring in September, coming around here for a couple shows. But uh, so I'm kind of curious now before now before the TV deal starts, the TNT. So. Jericho will make that work. So I just want to know how he's going to be in an active touring band and make that be work. champion. How he's going to yeah. make that work, that that compromise, that balance. The, the, only, the only pause I ever had at all about it being Jericho for the first one is just like the sort of hearkening back to WCW. Oh, it's a former WWE guy. Kind of, you know, just sort of that sort of connotation and that stigma that's like just a bunch of old WWE guys kind of deal. But it's different with Jericho because he he's another one that might be better now than he was, you know, 15 years ago. Well, he has said many times in interviews recently that how rare is it that a band 20, 30 years in their career are still putting out hit songs and he uses like the Rolling Stones and stuff. Example: Imagine the Rolling Stones now putting out hits. On there's a lot of bands when they go out there, they just play their greatest hits from like 20 years ago. But for him, he takes great pride as far as being relevant at this point in his career and not just relying on who he was back in the 90s and early 2000s. So for him, I can still see why putting the title on him as the first champion makes sense because he's still very much relevant and active as he's ever been. 
And so it's still a good investment for AEW to get going. Who knows if it's going to be a long title reign? That's yet to be seen. But I think for starting out with him, it's a great way just to get the company going, improving, like, big names are here. And and who knows? He could have a, a new feud with uh, someone who else appeared later on that night. Yeah, so let's get into that. So John Moxley... Uh, showed up out of the crowd during uh, Jericho's little post-match sort of speech. I was going to ask you real quick about the finisher. Oh, the Judas effect? It looked, you know, I was kind of concerned about it going in because, you know, it's just an elbow, and we talked about it. Like, I don't really like the woman's right just because it's like, well, why don't you just do that at the start of the match? But I show. (laughs) But I I like because he did sort of lull Kenny to sleep with it and did bring it, uh, you know, out of nowhere. I thought it looked good. Kenny sold it really well. I think that was key. Is that Kenny took the three count and he acted knocked out for like a great portion afterward, even to when John Moxley hit the ring and started attacking Jericho, that Kenny was still sort of like looking dazed and seeing stars over. So I thought they, they played it off well. I will say the one thing, though, why it worked as a finisher, what Kenny did have looked like a broken nose or bloody nose. So for him taking a big elbow shot to the face with already established bleeding face adds to the effect. Like, okay, yeah. dude, he's already severely hurt right there in that region of his his face. The only thing, though, it was just, it looked, it was a little bit, I want to say a botch, but it looked like Kenny was going to go for the, uh, or he, one winged ca- angel. He countered it and then. Chris was going to slip down and do a DDT, but they, they kind of. They did it twice. They did it twice. Yeah, it was did, fine. But, but I'm just saying, like, I, I could tell it's like, oh, they're doing the same spot over again. And it made sense because that led to him doing a code breaker, which then led to the. So it was like a three part finisher or building to that. So I could tell, like, it, I was like, why are they doing this again? And then it made sense. It was part of leading up to the finisher. But uh, so seeing it play out in all three sections, I was like, that was a cool setup as far as EDT into the code breaker into the Judas effect. So that's kind of a cool. I wonder if that squeeze going to be kind of using moving forward, like in his repertoire of 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 moves. Yeah, maybe the code breaker becomes the setup for the the Judas effect. We'll yeah. see about that. But John Moxley did hit the ring, like I said, through the crowd uh, during Jericho's sort of post match diatribe. Uh, took out Jericho and then proceeded to take out Kenny Omega and then taking him out on top of the poker chips, which was a great, just amazing visual. Uh, and then tossing Kenny onto whatever, like, plexiglass or whatever that was afterward just looked like he absolutely killed Kenny. That hurt. It looked like no cardboard yeah. boxes or anything there, Patty. JR selling it wonderfully on the commentary, and that's how Double or Nothing sort of fades to black. What did you think of the debut of John Moxley? I, I mean, like, we all suspected he was going to be there, but at the same time, Parvis did it because they thought all – I think it was a lot of people thought it was a work that he was leaving WWE – but he showed up, and it's official. And I think people are like, okay, that's one thing I used to love about watching WCW and WWE back in the 90s was there was always that element of surprise when someone from the other promotion would show up on the other side. That was, like, the biggest thing I was look forward to was, like, you know, when Rick Rude showed up or when guys from the NWO would recruit new guys. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so-and-so. Or even back in the early 2000s when guys from WCW – started appearing like ringside, like Eddie Guerrero and them ringside at a WWE show. It was like, that's one thing I miss. In today's world, it's kind of tough to do that one because for so long, there was only one big promotion, but also social media and news outlets always reporting, oh, so-and-so's contract's up in 90 days. And you, you kind of know when someone's about to be a free agent and it's like put out there in advance when someone's going to make an appearance at another a promotion or something. So that whole element of surprise of someone showing up unannounced is a lost art. Yeah. And so for Dean Ambrose, 
aka now known as John Moxley, showing up there. No one knew that. I mean, it was such a shocker. Like that element of surprise. I love that. And it, to me, it had that old 90s feeling to me. Like, oh my God, he's here. Like, I, no one suspected that. So that's one thing I miss about wrestling. And for him to be there, it was, it, it, I think it was a great way to end the show. And it got people talking. Between, there was a lot of moments for us to tweet about or in that social media realm to talk about moments. That's the great thing about this show. But for Moxley, I guess it's official. They put the press release out there, signed a multi-year deal with AEW. And it's like, wow, business is really about to pick up. I mean, as they say, it's, he's one of maybe a lot of people starting to jump the ship now. So I'm excited to see what's new for them. It will, it will be interesting to see who else follows suit. I know, obviously, there are a lot of people in WWE, like we've discussed, a lot that are maybe not happy with the creative direction of their characters and everything like that. This is going to be good for everybody. It's a, it's another major promotion for people to ply their trade. As far as a first official show for AEW, I don't think you could have expected any better. So I, I, I think they're all thrilled with how it came off. You got two match of the year candidates coming out of it, if, if that sort of thing, you know, gets you off uh but and it just it just was top to bottom they told a great story uh they had again every match good to great uh every match delivered there wasn't a stinker on there and uh, i really appreciated the pacing and you had some good surprises i just i was thrilled to see it. it was it was a really just enjoyable enjoyable watch and that's that's as a wrestling fan that's all you can ask for yeah that i'm with you in that sense it's just like there was something different for all of us to something take for in. Everybody. Something for everyone. As far as like, if you're a fan of the high flying stuff, you got that. If you're for, uh, for, if you love like bloody matches, you got that. Surprises, you got that. Great storytelling, great of, women's wrestling. Yeah, women's wrestling. All of that. It's like you had a little bit of everything, and that's what I'm excited for. What AEW can do, and hopefully that will motivate other people maybe to adapt that or take what they're doing and t- do their own thing. Yeah, that's the other thing you gotta look at. Is I think this is such a great moment for wrestling. I think we're gonna be in, not so much for a war, but like just people stepping up their game to do, deliver a better product all around. It doesn't have to be a war for it to be exciting times. And this again is a moment in time. It was historical. And as John Moxley said in his post uh, post double or nothing uh, promo that he was given in the locker room, that you know they're not reading history books anymore. Now they're writing them. And this is a paradigm shift in professional wrestling. And I just, I cannot wait to see what the future's ho- future holds for AEW and the professional wrestling landscape overall. But that is going to do it for us this week. I got to hop on a plane to Toronto for Baby Huey. I'm Bimbo Jimbo. And remember, if you're not in the click, see ya. I wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs>